The future of work and the future for workers is changing. From new technologies and talent strategies to the management of tomorrow's workforce. Tap in to Manpower Group Talent Solutions' 60 years of expertise and join us for the Transform Talent podcast, your guide to talent market trends, new technologies, and winning talent solutions. to the fifth episode of the Transform Talent Podcast. This is Roberto Cucchiaro and Dominica Gausa. This is our first episode of the new year, and we're going to talk about how organizations can prepare for success in 2021. Just a few months ago, remote working became the new norm overnight, even for roles that were impossible to do remotely. And now there's no putting the genie back in the bottle. Widespread remote work arrived overnight, Employees rose to the occasion and most don't want to go back the old way of working. Organizations must become more sophisticated and be prepared to adapt to a new reality. Employers have an opportunity to reshape new hybrid workplaces and provide technology that give employees the flexibility they want while supporting sustainability goals. And for 2021, we have three key workforce trends we would like to talk about. The first one being greater workforce flexibility. The second one, it's a broader definition of what talent sustainability means and worker well-being. And the third, it's about digital transformation. So that means that every company really needs to be a digital company to thrive. And we're going to explore these three trends with three of our global leaders. We have Raleen Gagnon, Vice President of Global Market Intelligence at Talent Solutions. We have Marceline Bayer, Global Brand Leader, Talent Solutions RPO and Vice President for Talent Solutions Europe. And Dave Mansell, Director of Performance Analytics, Admin Power Group. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Let's start with you, Raleen. With you, I would like to focus on workforce flexibility. So it's the first trend, and I really would like to understand what it means. The COVID-19 pandemic has had a huge impact on today's workplace. So this time last year, working from home was viewed as a fringe benefit by many companies. And today, January, February 2021, remote work has become the new normal. So I want to explore with you what this means for organizations that want to optimize their workforce, for talent communities and for skills shortages as well. And the words that we're going to hear more and more in 2021 are flexibility, talent availability, and remote-ready workforce. So the first question for you, Raleen, is in this new reality, how can organizations select the best locations to find workers with the skills needed? That's an excellent question. And, and it's one that wasn't necessarily top of mind prior to the pandemic. So as you alluded to, this happened very quickly and organizations reacted without having a strategy in place to quickly deploy folks remotely. Now the question is, how can organizations determine who should continue to work remotely in the future, regardless of when and how this pandemic falls back? And so with that in mind, one of the best ways an organization can approach this is using data, data within their organization and data in the marketplace. Understanding proactively which roles in their business today are best done remotely. Because not everyone that can work from home should. Some roles truly do have higher productivity or better collaboration in an on-site environment, whereas others have no disruption and frankly could be higher performing outside in a work from home situation. 
Once an organization knows how individual roles are classified, then they can determine moving forward, where is the best place to locate these individuals in the future? And there you can start to look at a number of factors. You can think about where can these people be hired more cost effectively and identify a number of locations where wages may be lower. But you also want to look at these sustainable pools of talent and know that you're sourcing and branding yourself in a community that you'll be able to hire these skills for over time. That means you need to understand migration patterns today. As people start to move out of higher populated areas and in, in higher cost markets, where are they moving to? And using those two factors, you can really tap into where do I have the greatest availability and access to sustainable talent with cost efficiency and cost savings benefits? Other organizations are going one step further and looking at their diversity and inclusion initiatives as well. So DNI initiatives can be taken into account here, and you can actually look at the diversity and the demographics of different pools of candidates in the marketplace to increase other corporate benefits to the culture of your workforce as well. So I hope that made sense because there's a lot of data in the marketplace that can be assessed and then weighted to make the right decision for a particular company. And I just wanted to add that when we start to look at, at remote workforce strategies globally, you know, looking at a resource like the Total Workforce Index that Manpower Group Talent Solutions puts out actually allows a company to take into account other operational factors as well. Because what we can do in that case is to determine what percentage of a workforce in another country represents remote optimal jobs, what countries may have limitations around technology or data protection and privacy that exist in the marketplace that a company may need to be concerned about. And so thinking about your global workforce and what those remote strategies look like, you may have to take a different approach with the data in some markets than you would in others. Yeah, and well, it is fascinating to think that remote work has created opportunities for employers, well, infinite opportunities actually to tap skills beyond borders, right? So talent in the cloud. And all of a sudden, we aren't talking about location, but just uh, purely about talent. And that could be anywhere. So, but at the same time, not all businesses have been able to shift to remote working in the blink of an eye. So what should organizations do and how to more effectively optimize their workforce in order to enhance productivity and provide that flexibility workers want, whether that's completely remote or a hybrid model? Again, for each organization, that concept of remote optimization is, and workforce optimization in general is going to have a different definition. Some organizations are going to measure the success of their workforce optimization based on that workforce mix, that they're gaining the flexibility they need out of their temporary and agency workers, or that they are gaining the risk mitigation out of the programs and models that they've put into place. For others, it may be that they are looking to revitalize their workforce by leveling the balance between genders and between ethnicities within their, their organization. And all of that comes down to first, again, assessing what you see within your own organization today. You know, when Dave speaks later about performance analytics and looking at your data in a different capacity, understanding not just general statistics of how your organization is broken down today, but how those statistics are contributing to the bottom line or the marketing initiatives or the productivity of a particular group. So within our consulting environment, when we engage with organizations, we have a series of intake calls around what is their definition of the fully performing workforce, the fully balanced workforce, what culture are they trying to achieve, and what are the key factors that we need to look at? You know, I, I've had some organizations that were looking to develop new locations and bring in a, a culture from overseas into a new headquarters location within a new region. 
And in doing that, they, two years ago, were already talking about diversity considerations in the various communities that they were evaluating for their locations and what legislation or cultural impacts were going to affect their people that were traveling in from various parts of the world. Today, understanding how your culture is going to change if a certain portion of your workforce is remote means you have to rethink how your hiring managers are managing their people today, how your business leaders are measuring the success of their teams, because some teams have thrived and increased their performance over the course of the past year, and others have struggled to do so. And that's not always related to what was happening in the economy or in the health constraints of, of, that they were operating in. It's often due to the technology that they have in place the rigidity they may have around scheduling and deadlines that perhaps could be loosened to accommodate the fact that some of the workforce is dealing with uh, children learning from home or closures of, of childcare options or another individual in their family being on a very different schedule than they're on. All of those things come into effect. So polling your people on a regular basis for their perspective and priorities and aligning that to all of the business data is really where you start to see how that concept of your future ideal workforce uh, and what that ideal is, how that maps back to the, the organization you're at today and how far you have to go to go from step A, where you are today, to step C, where you want to end up in the future. And frankly, understanding how much time they go into that throughout the course of it. Yeah, and well, I have another question for you that I know it's a topic very close to your heart, which is uh, women in the workforce. And you mentioned mm -hmm. briefly uh, about it in the previous question, but so as women have been disproportionately affected by the pandemic, what do you think are the key lessons learned in 2020 and what should we prioritize as we move into 2021? I think we've seen a lot of challenges in 2020 with women's ability to participate in the workforce, but now we're seeing an opportunity as we move into 2021 to do something different. Because part of why the, that we've seen that drop in employment amongst women in particular because of the childcare gap with various daycare closures and hybrid or remote learning worldwide is because there was no other support system in place within the business environments and within standard business and employer practices to augment what their workforce needed. You know, divorce rates are exponentially higher today worldwide than they were just a decade ago. And so when we think about how that impacts many households and their ability to be in an office or their ability to work certain schedules, you know, organizations hadn't previously created a flex schedule or had the ability to supplement or a benefit to supplement the cost of childcare or had remote learning centers set up within their production facilities to uh, support parents that were working in their shops who may not have anywhere else to bring their children. And that was never in place before, but the need emerged and it became very apparent this past year. So now as organizations are starting to bring people back to work or are starting to rehire, you know, one of the key priorities we're talking about with clients daily is what do we need to do to bring our women back to work, to hire more women within our company, within our industry in general? What does that mean? Do we need to have pop-up learning centers in our communities that we help to fund? Do we need to negotiate discounts for our staff so that they can leverage these resources? Do we need to build these capabilities into our operating structure? Or does this not need to be in person? Is this hybrid learning approach something that we should somehow supplement and provide for our people remotely? All of these are questions, and I don't know that we have the answers just yet. And again, for each organization, it's different. But understanding that this is likely going to be a problem moving forward even after the pandemic, and if we address it now, the next time it won't have a disproportionate effect on women, it will just be something that we all as a society need to address at the time. 
So the role of HR has shifted dramatically over the course of the pandemic, creating the imperative for HR to carry a greater duty of care for employees' health, well-being, safety and careers. Even as rapid digital transformation is accelerating the need for upskilling and reskilling at rates we have not seen. About the second 2021 workforce trend, talent sustainability and worker well-being, I'd like to talk to my very own boss, Marcelina. The pandemic and social movements around inequities and are helping organizations refocus on what's most important to employees, health, transparency, and upskilling. I would like to focus first on health. Marcelina, how can we avoid employee burnout? Thank you very much, Dominica. It's a very interesting question and dear to my heart because I think it's a it's a very uh, important feature of all leaders in future is being empathetic. So I think how can you do it? There's not one recipe, but I think it's very important to at first understand uh, what workers want in general. Uh, and uh, we, we have done, uh, as Manpower Group, the surveys to understand that in, in a general sense, like security, sustainability of work, uh, the work-life blend, and well, uh, wellness in general, of course. As a leader, you need to understand how to tailor that to your workforce, uh, of course. And, uh, and that is, I think, where it becomes very important to learn how to remotely uh, be a coach uh, to your people, to, to change the leadership style in the new era after the pandemic, even in the pandemic, to be able to be coaching is a is a very important trend in to keep every uh, has to, to keep the workforce healthy. So it's not just about uh, keeping them healthy and happy in in career uh, development. It's also to to help them understand the work life balance, uh, for example, and understand how. Yeah, to drive productivity even re remote. So I think that is um, an answer to your question is how can you keep them from employee burnout? Make sure just for example, and you were mentioning that we are working together as well, just sometimes to have a little bit of fun experience and not just block the calendar full day, uh, moment after moment. So really empathetic leadership is important here and also giving uh, flexibility to your, your workforce. Mm -hmm. the, the interesting part is that not everybody is able to do that as of start because we've been trained as managers to be looking into productivity, looking into normal career building and so forth. So what I have been using in the past year is a tool that we have been develop, developing in our company, which is called Drive Coach. And it was a fun experience because I'm a busy leader, as everybody can be. But being in the opportunity to use our own Right Coach, it gave me the opportunity to block myself an hour of an, uh, a coach that I could pick off, uh, really look into what, I, what, what am I interested in, what do I need now. Uh, so to really just Google within the tool for the Right Coach for me, which is why it's called Right Coach, probably, but uh, and also to block myself into his calendar at the at the time that I can I can make it. So it's very uh, and it was very helpful because and then you get this spark of energy, this little tick in uh, in how to do things. It's not the usual thing of how to block a half day, travel somewhere. It's it's very helpful and it's, it has given me. The support in my role, uh, everybody needs to lead, to learn. Everybody needs uh, to be able to do some strong sparring. It helped me very much to to understand what is needed now in this new in this new era for for my employees, and also to be able to yeah to give that uh, to learn myself, and then to give it to uh, 
hopefully to you, uh, Dominica, here as well. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing this. And I, well, I see how, how important it is, you know, especially in the light of the horrifying data I read about in Harvard Business Review. I just want to call out the numbers here, and I think we'll all be a bit shocked. So since the pandemic outbreak, 67% of people report higher stress, 57% are feeling greater anxiety, and 53% say they feel more emotionally exhausted. Well, and that's that's why we need leaders that care. And maybe mm-hmm. here as well to, uh, because we have an open conversation, what was for 2020 was one of the most remarkable things that happened to me in our team is that even though we were working remotely, we, we had this sort of social calls. And then even at a moment in time, there were people uh, calling out and having the guts to tell the group on screen that they were having levels of anxiety and just sharing that with each other. Uh, And um, uh, you cannot resolve everybody just all at once, but it was a remarkable experience because in the normal workplace, and I've been around for a while, uh, I've never experienced it in that way that people were willing to share that in a group. So I think that's the new, it's the new way of working and also the new transparency and honesty that people are doing themselves, but also expecting of us. No, that's, I think you're right. You know, as as an employee, I also feel more confident about, you know, sharing when I hear something like this coming from the leader. So, you know, I just would like to move to another question. And I would like to talk about the link between uh, diversity, inclusion and employer brand. And why should organizations pay attention to that? Yeah, well, you have business reasons and social reasons, I would say, because hey, we, we, we see uh, what is happening, uh, the social tension that is in across the world, differentiated in, in the, the different regions, but globally you can see the social tension. And I think it's very important to understand where it comes from uh, and to, as a brand, give an answer to that. Because, uh, hey, so let me first, employer value uh, proposition that you have. So the the uh, the... the the employer branding, so to say, the EVP, uh, it's really important to show yourself who you are. Uh, and as I've been in marketing, uh, I have learned from uh, in the early days when everything became more online is that you need to be authentic. You need to be who you are. You cannot sell a story. Uh, uh, so the uh, EVP, the employer branding in uh, in DNI era, uh, where it is important is to really show what your intentions are, uh, because the, the candidates are looking for an, uh, the, the, they are looking to what is my experience in employ with this employer? How will it look like for me? I have a daughter who is colored and a female. Uh, so what will she experience in that in, in that company that she's applying for and why? So it's it's important to have this employer experience, also to have the uh, or employee experience. I need to say, but and also how does it feel? How what is the culture of the company? Is it very ambitious or is it uh, is it kind and social or is it educational? Uh, so I think it's important through EVP to show you who you are and given the social tensions in the, in, in the world, but also uh, the new generations expecting different things from us, like we just mentioned in the, uh, so, uh, the, 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 the work-life balance, for example, it's really important to in the EVP, in the in the in the branding of the company towards the candidates to show yourself. And maybe one more remark, if I may, Dominica, what is interesting is that 
in technology, and I know Dave will come back to that, but the, in digitalization, technology is now offering many opportunities to have more unbiased recruitment than before. And I think that that is a very interesting one, is if you know the company and you can really understand as a candidate what the company is like and feel the company through the soft, soft experience of the branding of the company, and then there is a uh, follow-up in the process of the op opportunity to have an unbiased uh, um, recruitment process. Well, imagine what that will do to the, the real DNI inclusion in the recruitment over the companies uh, globally. Yeah, yeah, and uh, especially it uh, links what Evelyn and Roberta saying that we're moving to remote work, and it pay will pay a greater importance. In 2021. It sure will, and, yeah. and uh, we, we, you were just touching upon women in, in the workplace uh, and enter the consequences of remote working, which is not always as beneficial because of the balancing uh, balancing act. But on the other side, if you look at it from a different way, just uh, we we are very much always looking also in the opportunity of the gig working. Eh? So uh, people want more autonomy, but also, for example, women in the workplace can use more autonomy to juggle around with all the tasks that they feel and have. And then, for example, having the opportunity to to have digital gig platforms to tailor your own job uh, and to put it together in a different way than we have used to. Uh, imagine how that would feel and how we would give. Yeah, more autonomy to people. And then we are coming back to ESG. I personally love the fact that Manpower is working so actively to contribute to those kinds of developments. Why are upskilling and reskilling key to future-proofing your teams and organizations? And uh, I was curious if you see net zero employment emerging as the epitome of responsible ECG. Very much so. Thank you. It's, it's, it's another interesting question. Me, myself, being on background from parents who are teachers, uh, uh, the, the rescaling and upscaling is very important for me. If you look into this, uh, it's not just for me because there will be a, a huge gap in 2030. Research that we do has, has shown that we have, we have an unfilled roles of gap of uh, 85 million. So it's it's a need that we we start reskilling and upskilling people to fill gaps, especially also because there is. Let me give you an example. We work for an oil and gas uh, company, uh, and they they are changing. Of course, they're under the ESG. They're they're changing their um, future themselves in uh, going from from oil, the, the regular oil and gas towards more wind energy, for example, solar energy. So that also request different skills. So uh, it's not just the, the skill gap that we will have, it's also the, uh, the development of skills needed for future roles and future jobs that we, we have to, to work for and support companies with. And how we do that, I think it's, it's, it will ask for a, a new way of education. Uh, uh, so the education will be more on demand, uh, will be really more looking for micro certification uh, companies are much more looking into on the zero net zero employment uh, we are very much active at the moment in talent pools building talent pools within the company to be able to help people uh, coming from a job going into another job within the company uh, and help them with mini academies to train them in specific uh, skill sets that are needed for those new roles and if it's not in that company, there's also talent pooling across companies with the same effect. So where you see 
there is a, a trend from uh, industries coming from, um, just let me give you a quick example, industry from coming from the entertainment industry, which is now obviously being hit by the pandemic. Uh, and then those capabilities of hosting people is now being very much used in call centers. So, uh, and that's an easy, it's an easy explanation, uh, but that kind of looking at what is the skill set and how can it be used from the old or decreasing uh, economic areas towards new and increasing economic areas and then really looking into both the soft factors as well as the hard capabilities. Well, thank you, Marceline, for that. Nothing is complete until we talk about tech as well. So the third trend we should look out for is digital transformation. And as I mentioned at the beginning, that means that every company should really strive to be a digital company. And for this topic, we're going to talk to Dave. In, so in this new reality, one thing that's clear is that digital-minded organizations with the ability to quickly assess and make insightful decisions will be more likely to not only survive this crisis, but thrive. And that's why digital transformation is so important. And I want to start off with the topic of assessments. So data and AI-driven assessments are growing in use to help organizations predict performance and make open ethical and fair decisions about their employees. So how should organizations use assessments and what should they pay attention to? Uh, great question and a super relevant topic. Um, you know, organizations should use assessment and data wherever it can improve the outcomes of decisions related to human capital management. Mitting, mitigating bias requires transparency. The more we are able to provide transparent uh, you know, evidence-based data to individuals and uh, in terms of how are we making hiring decisions, how are we, uh, you know, guiding talent strategy, et cetera, the more effectively those talent strategies will be, the more individuals will know what they need to do in terms of upskilling, developing new capabilities, prioritizing their time so that they're performing optimally, et cetera, and the better off everybody will be. You know, at the end of the day, a lot of workforce stress comes down to that uh, very aspect of, I don't know what I have to do in order to be promoted. I don't know what I need to do to perform. I don't know what I need to do to you know, fill in the blank. You know, and, and at the end of the day, uh, that anxiety kills creativity. Creativity is, is a strategic differentiator in every organization. And, and to an extent, there's, there's a lot of potential in, in artificial intelligence, predictive analytics uh, assessment to provide greater transparency, reduce that anxiety, and, and um, you know, really boost the performance of organizations that adapt them. I have a great example that I can do. Uh, I can and uh, explain quickly. I think Dave, because I, I, I have a great example. And it's in an experience with uh, so built on on machine learning in those days, a little bit AI. You can call it AI, but uh, having an assessment through a serious game. We use that for call center business to really make a good and thorough assessment of new candidates. What we did is took the data of the whole workforce took out the best performing agents, of course, to create a sort of a profile, found out that uh, you have in an assessment have to do not only the, the regular uh, assessment kind of work that 
persons do, but also find out, for example, in the call center business, uh, eye-hand coordination and communication preferences. Uh, so through the role play of the serious game, we built up over the data, uh, we were able to find the best suitable candidates. And with that, people were, there was less attrition because they liked their job much more. There was a better hiring because people like to play the game. <laughs> and in the end, for the business, because of less attrition and more happy people, uh, productivity was much higher. And that, that was just through the, the, using the data to really learn from what you're doing. So it was interesting uh, to have that, especially what you say, to make the combination between data and, and using the uh, assessments for uh, building up the data. It's a perfect example. If you look at the most frequent decisions that are, are made in, in any workforce, it, it's hiring decisions, hiring or development or placement succession decisions. The way that we're you know, making these decisions by and large is, is through intuition today. We may base some decisions on resume and, and CV data, but in, in reality, we're, we're far from the detailed specifications uh, on yeah, every single individual we make, and we're not tracking these decisions uh, enough uh, to really base uh, sound prediction on them. And that's, you know, in, in, a, in a way, that is how assessment can be used to uh, improve those decisions. When those decisions are improved, the outcomes of, of all uh, business objectives can improve as well. And so as we talk about uh, artificial intelligence, like you rightly mentioned, we inevitably also talk about data-driven decision-making and predictive analytics, right? So the question is around how can predictive analytics help organizations make workforce planning decisions? Yeah. So, you know, if you could, if you could look into the future and answer any question, you know, what question would you like to answer? I mean, that, this is the promise of AI and, and predictive analytics. The challenge is to gather sufficient data and develop the, the logic in order to predict it. Uh, Raylene uh, touched on some really good uh, topics related to remote work. So a question every organization is, is likely trying to answer today is how will remote work impact my organizational performance over the next three years? Several dimensions have to be considered. We have to consider it at the individual level. Individuals who are stepping into purely remote work require a different skill set than those who uh, would be hired into a more traditional office-based uh, environment. Teams that are remote require different management capabilities than teams who are managed uh, in person. And it, it goes on and on and on. I think it, it, it sort of ripples throughout the organization in all of, uh, you know, several different ways. But the bottom line is if you can measure it, you can predict it. And these are surprisingly these types of questions that organizations will need to have a better understanding of how to predict can be predicted using data that most organizations already have you know, related to background characteristics of, of currently successful employees and the environments that we're changing into, performance data, um, you know, organizational strategies and plans, implementation of new, new technologies, et cetera. It is possible to use this data and it's being proven more and more that it's an effective way to plan uh, workforce changes. And as we talk about artificial intelligence, and we talked about in the previous questions as well about upskilling, 
and about workforce optimization, one word that comes to mind is super teams. And it's a very interesting word. It, it sounds like it's coming from the future, super teams. And maybe it's a term not everyone is aware of. So I really would like to ask you, what are super teams and why are they the answer to the future? Sure. Yeah, super teams. Uh, I think the way to look at this is, is super teams are the symbiosis between human capabilities and, and artificial intelligence. Uh, at the end of the day, artificial intelligence is a technology, not unlike uh, a hammer. Uh, to, to simplify it possibly far too much, you know, you're looking at teams who require the use of a tool such as a hammer versus teams who don't have it. Teams who have that tool will be more effective and the teams who are more successful at adopting this, inventing new ways to use it, being creative with, with how they explore the possibilities of, of this tool will be more effective in the future. Uh, I think you know, obviously it's far different than that. It's probably more analogous to personal computers and how personal computing has really revolutionized work and everyday life. It's a step change from that as well. We're, we're talking about, uh, you know, rather than, you know, c computers which require intensive programmatic logic, we're talking about computers that are able to learn based on data being fed to them by teams, teams that are able to adapt to that sort of new paradigm and, and the way that technology can support the work they're doing are going to be more effective. And we're very, you know, the, the acceleration of, you know, how fast teams and individuals are adopting this technology is like something we've never seen before. We're still arguably in, an, in a space where it's most, mostly tech enthusiasts that are really adopting AI and working hard to develop things and exploring the capabilities of it. But we're, we're not far from a tipping point where every team, every company, every every individual to some extent will need to have some competency or some knowledge or some ability to leverage artificial intelligence in, in their work. On the topic of, of super teams, I mentioned that it's it's this symbiosis of, of human capabilities and, and technology. It's uh, the analogy is it's like Jerry Maguire versus Moneyball. If you'll if you remember the movies, uh, great movies both. Yeah. But Jerry Maguire, very much emotionally driven and intuition-based, uh, this kind of uh, emotional pull to uh, make these decisions and, and drive outcomes. Moneyball is, is this impartial, unbiased, uh, looking at everybody's capabilities individually, gathering as much data as we can, experimenting with it, and, and really making decisions based on what outcomes we are trying to achieve versus the you know, more personal intuition-based judgment that is really the world that we live in today. And I think um, this, we need to and we will inevitably trans transition into the, into the Moneyball world as we go. So yeah, I, I think the, the Jerry Maguire and Moneyball analogies is really about organizations that are creating all this data and they're generating all this information. But at the end of the day, it's not helpful in hiring and recruiting unless they have a Jerry Maguire, right? It's a person that can come in and bring the passion and partner with the teams. I think that is what makes it truly powerful. I have one last question I'd like to ask our guests. If you could share three recommendations on ways to future-proof an organization, what would they be? And I would like each of you to think quickly and share one each. I think one of the key recommendations that I would give to any organization, regardless of which stage in planning they are at, 
for how they're planning to re-envision their future workforce. It would be to make sure they look at data within their organization and the data in the external markets that they're hiring in. You know, too often we look at pieces of information and we don't we don't compare it to or run it up against other factors that could influence the outcomes. And for our scenario models to even have a chance of being accurate in 2021 because of COVID, we really need to make sure we're looking across all of the information available to us to test our theories and to have contingency plans in place. But being data-driven is more than a tagline. It means truly looking at all of the information at your disposal, reaching out to your partners like Manpower Group to determine what else is there out there to consider that we may not have thought of yet. And just to make sure all of your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed when it comes to evaluating your options. Be uh, authentic and transparent as a company and pay attention to who you are and who you want to be uh, in the era of social uh, changes. Very important. Uh, and very look into that very consistently into your recruitment branding as well. So uh, take notice, uh, pay attention. Yeah, echoing comments, I think the, the key to key to success will be experimentation in terms of uh, aspects to introduce or to emphasize when we're making decisions about how do we create cultures that welcome this experimentation and this openness, hire individuals who are adaptable and curious versus those who possess a specific skill that's needed today, and hire uh, leaders who are uh, empathetic over those that are just purely ambitious. And that's a, a few ingredients that are going to be needed, uh, not exhaustive, but I'm, I'm pretty confident those are uh, good predictions. Yeah, that's nice. And I like the, the uh, calling them ingredients. So to make this perfect uh, cake, we, have, uh, uh, we need to be data-driven. Maybe we can say that transparency equals trust in an organization, then experimentation, like you called it, Dave. So we need also to be able to hire the right people, be open, have, you know, be uh, adaptable and, and empathetic. So I think these are the key takeaways from this uh, conversation, which has been really eye-opening. I really, really enjoyed it. And I think it is fair to say that organizations that leverage data-driven insights from tools like the Total Workforce Index, like Raleen was saying at the beginning, and look to tap skills outside of just physical locations, such as talent in the cloud, and organizations that care for their employees' well-being and upskill them are navigating this uncertainty, mitigating risk, and seizing the opportunity to grow. And organizations should also embrace equality and sustainability goals. We'll keep on hearing more about it during this year's virtual World Economic Forum themed The Great Reset. And we also had our CEO, Jonas Pricing, speaking about upskilling, reskilling and the future of jobs with the Secretary General of the OECD and other leaders. So that's much more to look forward to. So just because we have a bit of time left, and if you heard the other podcasts, uh, you know what's coming. It's just a fun question to just get everyone's personality out there. If you were stranded on an island and you could only bring three things with you for survival, what would they be? One each. We start with, start with Raleen. <laughs> um <laughs> Gosh, uh, I'm bringing sunblock because I don't like being That's sunburned. And I'm, bring, I'm bringing a copy of Gone with the Wind <laughs> because it is my favorite book and you can read it a hundred times through. And I would bring, oh goodness, 
I would bring ice cream. It wouldn't last long, but it would be worth it. <laughs> At least you would be happy at the beginning. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. Oh, that's cool. Marcelina, what, what would you bring? Yeah, well, maybe I'm not allowed, but first of all, I would bring my daughter. <laughs> and then I would uh, bring some do-it-yourself tools if that would be allowed, because I love to do creation uh, and uh, uh, f find out how you can use and reuse things. And last but Yeah, well, not least, uh, paper and pen to be able to, and, and some bottles uh, to communicate if I'm not allowed to do it digitally. <laughs> oh, that's nice. I like the idea of uh, of getting the tools. So you, uh, a few years in the island, Marceline, and you get uh, a solar powered electricity and uh... something like that. It's the same <laughs> as using the the, the, the toaster uh, to cook on for two yeah. uh, to, for six months because there was nothing else in the kitchen available uh, while rebuilding the house. So <laughs> yeah. it's interesting, Roberta. We have we have another person saying that they will bring a member of their family as a thing to an island. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> em empathic. And you, Dave? Uh, well, uh, given my haircut, I think the sunblock is a is a must. I was going to say chapstick, actually. Uh, but oh, man, these are you guys are so good. It's hard not to steal your ideas. My first inclination was to actually bring my lazy dog uh, <laughs> with me, who is very good company, and I think that would be needed on a, a stranded island uh, scenario. And something to catch fish with and something to to cook it with oh that's that's so good at least if i'm if i'm sitting on an island i might as well eat well yeah that and you have a lot of fish around and no one nobody wants to bring a boat that's interesting <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was in the world i was gonna say helicopter <laughs> we don't want to leave dominica we don't just want, we don't want to leave we just want to stay <laughs> holidays <laughs> Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, this has been fun. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us on our podcast, on our fifth episode of the Transform Talent podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And also to our listeners, if you did enjoy it, don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast listening app and leave us a review. See you at the next episode. Bye. Mm -hmm. Bye, bye. Bye. The Transform Talent Podcast, because we know the right talent transforms organizations and helps your business flourish. Talent Solutions, business and talent aligned. <laughs>